0: Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello everyone.
0: Welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. Coming up on our program today, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're going to talk with Dr. Josie Rudolphy, who is an assistant professor at the University of Illinois, also an associate research scientist with the National Children's Center for Rural and Agricultural Health and Safety. We know there are a lot of stresses and a lot of uh, dangers that go with farming and um, we want to touch on some of the things that uh, you need to be watching kind of not only for yourself but for those around you and some tips and resources that are available Uh, if you need some help or know someone that does. So we'll talk about that on today's program. We're going to look at the cattle market today, a complete uh, look at the cattle market, what's driving the market right now, what's the outlook. We're going to talk with Kevin Good with Cattle Facts. And we have an infrastructure issue, as you've probably heard, um, a problem with a bridge, and that's causing some uh, transportation issues, Mike Steenhook. With the Soy Transportation Coalition will be back with us today to give us an update on that. But we're going to start things off with a look at the news from our nation's capital. Will Stafford, CHS, Washington representative, joins us. Hi, Will. How are you? Hey, Mike. I'm, I'm good this morning. Thanks for having me. Um. I want to just kind of get a, a feel for things uh, in uh, our nation's capital as you're watching and observing. Uh, the, some, some talks have gone on between the White House and uh, ag and uh, congressional leaders on infrastructure. Um, have they made any progress that we know of?
2: Well, that's right. Uh, this week there were a couple of talks between President Biden and his staff and some leaders on the Hill from both the Republican and Democrat side of the aisle. Um, It sounds like they still have a ways to go on infrastructure before they get to a point that they agree on. Uh, Right now, the central debate is still really over how to define infrastructure. Um, Republicans want it to focus on, you know, your classic infrastructure, your roads, bridges, highways, uh, things like that. Uh, Well, Democrats want it to be a larger, more encompassing package
0: of about $2.3 trillion. And the other point of debate is how to pay for it, right? Yes, sir. That that absolutely is a
2: huge part of the de- a huge part of the debate. That um, they also don't see eye to eye on right now. Um, President Biden's administration administration has floated some plans, such as tax changes, increase to the corporate tax, um, uh, the estate tax, potentially uh, things like that. That that Republicans don't want to see changes
0: to. And some Democrats also concerned because these would really impact farmers and ranchers. When you start talking about step up basis and when you start talking about land exchanges, those types of things, those are big areas of concern for agriculture.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The uh, farm groups have certainly not been quiet um, on issues like the stepped up basis. Um, and Democrats are going to have to find a way to get around that. Um, You know, there have been rumors of a potential uh, agriculture carve-out in the stepped-up basis conversation, um, and I think agriculture groups need to keep the pressure on their uh, congressional lawmakers to make sure that they're heard on that issue.
0: Also this uh, week, Republican and Democratic uh, lawmakers were talking with U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai, and wanting to know about when are they going? When is the administration going to be making the push to reach out to Congress for renewing trade promotion authority? And uh, Catherine Tai was uh, kind of noncommittal on that.
2: Yeah, she really didn't take a stance. Um, currently, the administration does still have uh, trade promotion authority, but it runs out fairly soon. Uh, Trade Promotion Authority is essentially Congress gives the administration the power to negotiate those trade deals. And then when it comes to be approved from Congress, um, Congress has to approve it just on an up and down simple majority vote. They don't get to add amendments or anything like that. It's been really important for the administration in the past to have Trade Promotion Authority to pass big comprehensive trade deals such as USMCA. Um, so I think it really will be important for this administration to get it as well as they start to implement um, free, uh, free trade negotiations with other countries, such as the U.K., possibly the EU, possibly Kenya. Um, and I know there have been rumors swirling of this administration wanting to even talk about rejoining TPP. Um, so even though she was noncommittal, I do think at some point after the current trade promotion authority expires, they will have to ask for it again.
0: We're talking with Will Stafford, CHS Washington representative. Will, what's the situation there on the East Coast with with gas now and getting fuel to motorists, and what could be the long-term impact of this? You think? Well, I I can tell you personally, um,
2: the gas stations around here uh, were pretty pretty bare the last few days. Um, my you know, my wife works, uh, in, in a high, she's a high school teacher nearby and, and she's, uh, she was down to her last couple drops yesterday. Um, but it sounds like, uh, you know, gas has got gas, at least yesterday afternoon was back up and flowing to nearby, um, gas stations and, and things should be pretty well, um, well back to order this weekend. Um, as far as, as what it's going to mean, um, politically, uh, you know, it, I think it does remain to be seen, but it certainly was a, uh, um, something that, members of Congress, um, are, are certainly concerned about from both a, um, uh, from both a, a an, IT cybersecurity standpoint as obviously, um, the colonial pipeline mm-hmm. is hit by a cyber attack. Um, as well as from, uh, you know, our nation's energy, uh, dependence standpoint, I really do think you're going to see Republicans hammer, um, hammer Democrats on energy dependence, especially as it comes to, um, you know, the f- fights on climate change and fossil fuels and things like that.
0: And I've seen some push for and argue, well, this this shows we need to go to electric vehicles, and others are pointing out, hey, we have ethanol, we have biofuels available right now that could help that situation uh, and make us less vulnerable in these types of things.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I do think you will see the continued push from Democrats, such as um, I believe it was the Department of Energy uh, secretary that, that made some comments on why this um, outlined the importance for electric vehicles um, versus Republicans saying we have more tools in our toolbox for energy, um, energy independence, whether that is fossil fuels, whether that is ethanol, whether that is some of those other renewable fuels. Um, there are options other than just electric vehicles and there are more types of clean fuels than just one such as electricity.
0: Yep, interesting, and this kind of brought a lot of that uh, into focus. And we'll see where the where the debate goes from here. Uh, but uh, certainly, that is something that we all ne- will be hearing much more about and need to re- really look at. Will, thanks so much, appreciate it. Good to have you with us. Anytime, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks. Will Stafford, CHS, Washington, representative. All right, coming up next, as I mentioned, May is Mental Health. Awareness Month. A lot of things we all need to be aware of and and thinking about and and taking care of ourselves and those around us. See what we can do. Up next, we will talk with Dr. Josie Rodolfi with the um, University of Illinois. She's an assistant professor at the U of I, but also an associate research scientist with the National Children's Center for Rural and Agricultural Health and Safety. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Your harvest is your most important asset.
3: It's like money in the bank. And you can get everything you need to store and protect it through one source. Your FS Grain System Specialist. With any brand of grain system you choose, your specialist will oversee planning and construction to make sure it's done right.
1: And you can count on FS for maintenance, too. Contact your local FS company or visit FSGrainSystems.com. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's
0: next. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, talking with Jim Mulherm, President and CEO of the National Milk Producers Federation. Jim, I mentioned there's a difference of opinion or approach within the dairy industry. And as you know, the Dairy Business Association, Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, the Minnesota Milk Producers Association, and the Nebraska State Dairy Association announced their proposal. They're calling it Class 3+. Plus. Uh, what are your thoughts, your reaction to their approach?
2: And that's what a federal order hearing process is all about. So we will make our proposal it will go into USDA if USDA decides to move forward, and we'll be asking for a national federal order hearing that will look specifically at the Class 1 price mover. This is a rifle shot approach to deal with a specific issue that arose, became clearly a problem uh, from the pandemic last year, and USDA will decide if they want to take this issue to a hearing. In doing that, they will take testimony from
0: other interested parties. Anybody can offer a proposal. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
4: Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy to listen to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Moth as I interview some of agriculture's best thought years you'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to DTNPF.com backslash field posts. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration Independence changes your entire life.
2: So many eye disorders can be
5: treated if caught early.
4: My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes and I don't want to lose that.
0: Make a plan today to get your eyes checked.
4: Visit brightfocus.org to learn more.
0: Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. With Sinex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: May is Mental Health Awareness Month. This is something that we don't talk nearly enough about. It can be difficult, uncomfortable at times talking about it, but it's important as we look at our own health and the health of those around us. Our guest now is Dr. Josie Rudolphi, an assistant professor at the University of Illinois and an associate research scientist with the National Children's Center for Rural and Agricultural Health and Safety. Dr. Rudolfi, thank you for joining us.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: Why is this such an important topic, as, and especially as, as for everyone, but as we look for, for those at those in agriculture and dealing with the stresses and pressures that go along with, with farming and ranching, and, you know, just, as I said earlier, just something that a lot of people don't like to talk about or don't feel comfortable talking about, but this is a certainly a very serious and important issue, isn't it?
6: Absolutely. It's incredibly uh, important. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, we know, uh, that this, this past year has been a challenge for everybody. Um, we know rates of suicide are increasing across most, um, subpopulations. We know, um, that mental health conditions are very, very common in the United States in general. Um, and we know that mental health conditions are associated with chronic stress. And we, we look at occupations that are incredibly stressful, um, agriculture, um, And certainly towards the top, we think about um, the uniqueness of some of these stressors specifically, Um, working in isolation day in and day out, uh, working incredibly long days, inconsistent hours, um, and having very little control over a lot of our production necessities, which include things like perhaps the availability of inputs, um, certainly the weather um, time pressures, and then of course commodity prices. So, um, realizing the the relationship between stress and health, um, and stress and mental health, um, n- mental health is certainly something we need to be talking about in agriculture.
0: We kind of need to keep a close watch on ourselves, but also those around us, don't we? And some, and maybe some signs uh, we we want to make sure we don't ignore or overlook that uh, someone may need some help and we can help them in some way.
6: Absolutely. I think uh, we all have a responsibility to keep an eye on our, our farming friends and family members. Um, and oftentimes it, it's ha- it's hard for us to acknowledge changes in ourselves, and that's why, just like you said, it's really important that we uh, sort of have a community approach to this and we keep an eye on one another. Um, some important things to keep keep an eye of on our changes in, um, in behaviors, whether they're related to um, uh, emotional changes or behavioral changes. Um, we want to watch for uh, changes in sleeping patterns and perhaps appetite, um, but also changes in emotions. Are, are people more agitated perhaps than usual? Um, are they easily bothered by things that typically wouldn't bother them? Um, have you noticed changes in substance use? Are they drinking more than they used to? Um, So those are the things we want to keep an eye on and then acknowledge. Um, And that's a really hard conversation to have, um, but it's certainly one that we encourage, and and it starts by expressing concern for somebody. Um, And when you open by expressing concern, it's really, really hard for somebody to come back and say, you know, butt out. This is none of your business. So we want to say things like, I've noticed, you know, that you're drinking more than you usually are. I've noticed that you're not sleeping anymore. Um, Is something bothering you? How can I help? those
0: sorts of things. We're talking with Dr. Josie Rodolfi, an assistant professor at the University of Illinois, talking about Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, Dr. Rodolfi, there's a line there, I think, that is difficult for many of us. Uh, That line of okay, I'm concerned, do I reach out to someone and, and talk to them about it or bring it up, or do I mind my own business, not infringe on on their privacy? That can be a difficult line to know where it's at and whether to step across or not.
6: Absolutely, and I think it's a that's a really important point, and I think, you know, the first question is you ask, what's my relationship with this person? Is it a friend, is it a family member? Um, and if you could answer yes to either of those, I think we all have a responsibility. Um, to ask those questions. I I agree Um, they can be awkward and they can be uncomfortable. There's some really great uh, short courses um, that we're promoting for the agricultural community to really increase somebody's confidence and competency in asking those types of questions uh, and becoming a little bit more aware of some really common mental health conditions. Now, if you say, I'm not a friend, I'm, I'm not a confidant, I'm not a family member, perhaps I'm a banker or I'm a salesperson, um, and I really don't think it's my place to ask these types of questions. My recommendation would be, um, if you know that person's, you know, individuals within that person's circle, reach out to them. And you don't have to disclose a lot, but you could reach out to their spouse and say, you know, I talked with your spouse today. They seemed a little upset would you check on them right we we probably know the people that um are in those inner circles uh, and what we can do is reach out to them and sort of alert them uh, if we feel like it's it's really not our place
7: mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's a good point you know we talk a lot about farm safety about being careful we think of, of physical things working around machinery and things like that but this is a part of uh, farm safety as well isn't it
6: it absolutely is it's, it's certainly emerging as um uh, an area of concern, and I think, you know, as somebody who works in agricultural safety and health, um, this is really sort of at that nexus because we have to recognize uh, if we are incredibly stressed, if we are experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression, that is undoubtedly going to interfere the way, with the way we work. Um, we know that uh, we could be at increased risk for injury. Uh, when we're distracted and we're operating very large equipment, uh, we could see how that could certainly contribute to an incident or an injury.
0: And children going through stress, too, uh, need, we need to reach out to them. Uh, even them feeling the stress that maybe is happening with uh, adult members of their family.
6: Absolutely. We know that children are not naive or, or um, you know, uh, ignorant to what's happening in a family. Uh, we know that family stress is often experienced by everybody in that household. Um, and what's really interesting from the farm perspective is that um, children are often engaged in the farming operation. So you think about how that's different than other occupations. Um, if you work in healthcare, it's probably not super likely that your child's going to go to work with you and perhaps see and experience what you see and experience as a healthcare provider. Um, but on the farm, that's very much the case. We have children um, and adolescents working alongside adult farmers. Um We have conversations about the farm at dinner, um, and like I said, children absorb this type of information and, and and if it's stressful in the family and somebody's experiencing stress, we you know have to believe and, and be concerned about the child in that environment too, because uh, of what they could be experiencing.:
0: So being aware of possible uh, issues. That's one thing. Uh, being willing to reach out to help. That's another. Then finding the help. What are the resources that are available?
6: Good question. Uh, we, um, the USDA, has funded four farm and ranch stress assistance uh, networks, one in each region of the U.S. Um, in the North Central region, um, the North Central Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Center is uh, uh, centered at the University of Illinois. Uh, But we serve 12 states in the upper Midwest region. Um, And we just released our clearinghouse website, and that address is farmstress.org. There we have a clearinghouse of resources and services available to uh, agricultural producers, their family members, and agricultural workers in that 12-state north-central region. We also include links to telephone helplines help if that's something a producer is interested in, um, a number of different resources, um, as well as uh, information about various training opportunities that are available um, to help increase somebody's awareness and, and competencies around mental health.
0: Well, like we said, I mean, it's almost like there's a stigma of that's attached to this, and, and someone may hesitate to reach out either to help someone else or get help for themselves, and we want to try to get past that, right, and so they feel uh, more at ease about reaching out and, and getting the help they need.
6: Absolutely. We're certainly trying to um, normalize conversations around mental health, um, uh, and I think we are getting there, um, but realizing some people are still very hesitant to, to talk about um, mental health openly, um, there are certainly more anonymous ways to engage with a mental health provider or at least um, um, somebody who can provide some crisis intervention. And those include things like the Iowa Concern Hotline, um, which is the telephone helpline in the Midwest, um, available to anybody in those twelve in that 12-state region um, that I mentioned, um, as well as, as a couple of, of, of organizations that work to connect producers to um, professional health care providers, um, such as licensed, licensed licensed, professional counselors.
0: Well, it's an incredibly uh, important topic, a critical issue. And uh, Dr. Rodolphi, thank you for joining us and giving us some uh, very helpful information. Appreciate it.
6: Thank you so much.
0: Dr. Josie Rodolphi, an assistant professor at the University of Illinois. Again, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for a round the table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Did you know that biodiesel reduces carbon emissions by 74% on average? It's the best option available today for states and cities across America looking to immediately cut carbon emissions. It's an important contribution from America's farmers to meeting the nation's carbon reduction goals right now. That's why we say biodiesel is better cleaner now. Learn more by visiting bettercleanernow.com brought to you by the National Biodiesel Board in partnership with soybean farmers and their
8: checkoff program you're listening to Adams on agriculture for the american ag network i'm jesse allen with this market update well grain markets are trying their best to rebound and bounce off the lower prices we saw on thursday a lot of folks wondering if we'd seen a top in the grain markets so far soybeans and wheat are trying to dig out of the losses from thursday although cord futures initially were doing the same they have backed off here as we work through our morning trade USDA confirmed the sale of another 53.5 million bushels of U.S. new crop corn to China in the past 24 hours, bringing year-to-date new crop sales closer to 8.7 million metric tons. USDA's WASDE crop report earlier this week contained the first domestic and global supply and demand balance sheets for the new crop and a disappointed corn and wheat bulls, but it really shouldn't have. Bullish euphoria had pushed many analysts to see who could be the first to predict us running out of corn supplies, which would obviously have a big impact on feed wheat demand as well. Now the data is simply not there to justify USDA coming in with a bullish number for quarter wheat stocks quite yet. U.S. planting progress continues to move forward, although wet conditions south of I-80 create some obstacles that we will need to watch. Current numbers as we take a look at the Chicago Board of Trade, July quarter down two and a half, 672 and a quarter. December quarter nine and a quarter higher, 567 and a half. July beans up 14 at 1598. November beans up 13 to 3 quarters, 14.10 and a quarter. July bean meal up 240 a ton, 423.80. July bean oil up 109.6687. July Chicago wheat, 9 higher at 7.10 and a half. July KC wheat up 7 to 3 quarters, 6.65 and a half. July Minneapolis spring wheat up 3 and a quarter at 7.44 and a half. Meantime, live cattle turning higher with June live cattle up 61, 16.20. May feeders down 10, 137.35. June Hogsdown 12, 97. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network, I'm Jesse Allen.
6: Hey dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute.
4: Hey
5: honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at AARP.org slash caregiving. That's AARP.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP
4: and the Ed Council.
0: Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. <laughs>
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: Well, we've been talking a lot about the markets, but primarily corn, soybeans, wheat, sorghum. Um, We've talked some about the hog market. Want to take some time now to get uh, a good grasp on what's going on with the cattle market. And joining us now is Kevin Good with Cattle Facts. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Mike, I'm doing
7: fine. Doing fine.
0: Interesting times. Uh, Let's look at the cattle market, and what do you see? What's the biggest driver of that market right now?
7: Well, Mike, you've got a lot of of moving parts out there, Mike. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, it feels a whole lot like it did a year ago in the midst of COVID. If we think about where we're at today versus a year ago at the same time, we're not in as bad a shape. We haven't backed up near as many cattle as we had backed up a year ago, but we do have more than ample supplies on the front end, Mike. We still have a big cattle on feed population and they're heavily weighted at the front end, 150 days and above cattle on feed populations as big as we've ever seen for this time, You know, except for a year ago during COVID. So uh, we've just got to work our way out of this uh, situation. We need a little bit bigger harvest levels and unfortunately, there's a lot of labor issues going on within the packing plants. And, and because of that, uh, harvest levels have not been quite as big as we would have liked in here over the last two months. And uh, it looks like we're going to have to slug it out going through the summer.
0: Yeah, that is still a big issue, isn't it? The labor issue and the packing plants. Um, where are we at right now as far as uh, percentage of uh, capacity and uh, and where you think we're headed?
7: Yeah, well, Mike just just as an illustration if you go back to this time of year, you know, the May-June time frame and go back to pre-COVID, go back to 2019, uh during that those two months we were averaging about 97,000 fed steer and heifer slaughter on a, on a daily basis Monday through Friday. Uh we think we need to get back to somewhere around 95, you know, you lose a little bit of efficiency because of spacing and some of the things that are mandated today. But in reality, we're really struggling to do that. We're having a lot of days where it's kind of 90 to 92, plus or minus, and And really, it's, it's a situation where they're just having a challenge getting the workers to come to work. It's uh, absenteeism is really a big driver, and it's an unfortunate message. But uh, when they've had a lot of the stimulus checks, a lot of them feel like they've got to take some time off to, to spend it. And, frankly, the the packing community is in a situation where if they do fire workers, they can't find new ones. So uh, it's just kind of a, a tough situation here, not only for the packing community, but it really portrays to all of ag and, and unfortunately, to the U.S. economy as a whole.
0: Yeah, labor is a big issue. And... Let's take it to restaurants. So we're talking about now getting things back open yeah. and people being able to go back out. But a lot of these restaurants can't get people to work, so uh, they're struggling to get open.
7: Exactly. The same, same point. I mean, with the stimulus checks and prolonged uh, unemployment checks, monthly checks there, I mean, uh, there's a lot of folks in, in our economy that uh, pays more for them not to work than it does to work. And until that changes, uh, it's going to be a major headwind for, for a lot of our economy. Uh, as, as you mentioned, the restaurants are reopening, and with that said, uh, the beef complex has been very robust here the last couple of months. You know, the retailer that basically did the lion's share of the business last year with COVID, he's continuing to be a very aggressive buyer. He's going to defend his his position. At the same time, you do have restaurants reopening, so they're in the in the market buying a lot of product. And you know, just some of the latest, latest uh, export data, we had record exports in the month of March, and it looks like exports looking at sales data for both uh, April and so far here in May are exceptional as well.
0: Yeah, those export numbers are very, very good and, and, very, and very important, obviously. We're talking with Kevin Good with Cattle Facts. So Kevin, we saw during the pandemic, people buying more at the grocery store, couldn't go out to eat at restaurants. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more. What are we seeing now? Here we are in mid-May. Uh, are we seeing a move back to the the restaurants, or is it still heavily on the on the retail side?
7: No, it, obviously, as the restaurants reopening and, and and the economy loosens up, people have, people have been shut up enough. They're they're going out, Mike. So uh, the restaurants traffic is picking up. It's going to be very robust. The way we would look at it. At the same time, you know, you have a, uh, the retail that, uh, you know, they had some pretty big sales numbers a year ago, and, and obviously they, they look at year-over-year sales, and in this case, they might have to look at 2019 versus 2021 to get a more comparable gauge, but they're going to defend their position, you know, and we all know that prices are going up all the way across commodities and from an inflationary standpoint, but we would still expect for the beef holidays coming up, Memorial Day, Father's Day, Fourth of July, you should think about it, that the retail will roll out some pretty aggressive beef ads uh, to continue to get that foot traffic and sales.
0: All right, let's take a look at, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, we talked a lot about the grain prices and uh, their their. Their rise, and it's been going on for some time. The other side of that, of course, is are, would be feed costs for the livestock sector. Uh, let's talk yes. about the challenges there for those in the cattle industry.
7: Oh, absolutely. As we think about increased cost of gains, and you know, the message here too is, if you think about it right now, you've got cost of gains, particularly in the central and southern plains, that would be basically matching uh, the, the value of fed cattle. And so it, the incentive is to get the cattle off feed as quickly as possible because of that, Mike. But the unfortunate message there is we can't can't get them gone. You know the shackle space is limited, so you just get the gate's not open wide enough to get everything out that we would like in here. So uh, it makes the cattle feeder a pretty willing seller, trying to get them off feed. And so that's a, a downward bias to the market. On the same light, we are seeing. And, tighter placements you know placements are starting to drop off here in the month of may and it's it's twofold you know one we had smaller calf crops back in 2019 and 2020 so there's less cattle outside of feed yards to place and then also high grain cost typically does mean that we keep cattle outside of feed yards as long as possible for cheaper gain and so we are going to be in the process as we think about may and it should be go on to June, July, August have lighter placements. So over time we're going to place ourselves into some tighter supplies, better leverage and stronger values. So what's your price outlook? You know, it's an unfortunate but short-term uh there's plenty of margin in the system, Mike. Uh the Packers making a tub of money, we all know it. There's plenty of margin in the system. The market doesn't need to break down as we go through the summer, but seasonally it typically does back back down and so you have to expect from this kind of $1.20 plus or minus where we've been for this last six weeks the market does have a downward bias for the next two months that's the seasonal trend longer term going into the second half of this year particularly into the fourth quarter and into 2022 and beyond I think we need to recognize where we're at within the cattle cycle after years of liquidation we are going into tighter beef supplies as we go to late 21 and beyond. We've got limited increases pegged for pork and poultry over the next couple of years. In fact, their supplies are tighter this year because of the higher input costs from second half of last year and earlier this year. And so with inflation, we would suggest that we're going to be in the midst of a pretty good bull run price-wise over the next 18 to 24 months. Unfortunately short to intermediate term as we go through the summer, we really are at the mercy in here of, of in being, hate to say it, but we're more of a price taker short term until we can get our leverage back in better shape. We've got to get more cattle off the front end to get that leverage.
0: We usually, historically, we think good economy, better beef sales, better beef demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your assessment? I mean, this economy is kind of in a, state of flux right now uh, maybe a lot yeah. of money going out from the government but uh, we're not sure how it's going to go out you know how consumers are going to use it what, what how do you see that yeah. playing out
7: uh, t- t- typically as you, as you go through some inflationary times and, and that's where we're heading I think we all need to recognize that mm-hmm. you know inflation has been bottled up for the last decade or so basically plus or minus two percent annually it's going higher, and there's no way around it with all the all the free money, stimulus money in the, in the economy. You're already seeing it. And so in our thought process, we do see a consumer out there, short to intermediate term, that does have those dollars to spend and will go back to the restaurants. They will spend the dollars short to intermediate term. You know, the question is, you get down the road, fall, next year, that stimulus money is gone, uh, And at that same time, you've got, uh, because of inflation, higher prices, will they back away from a product? We don't think so. We think that beef demand, historically, if you think about it for the last 20 years, uh, beef prices at retail and wholesale have gone up about 4.5% a year, over doubled the rate of inflation. True dollars. Increased dollars, real dollars have came back into the system. They're available we just have to have improved leverage for those available dollars to work its way back to the cow-calf producer. So our thought process over the next year or so is that, hey, inflation, let's say it goes to 4 to 5% annually. If that's the case, we do think that beef prices will be able to match, if not maintain a, a tick point or two above that as we think about wholesale retail.
0: Well, as you said, Kevin, at the outset, a lot of moving parts here. Thanks for kind of giving us a lay of the land here and giving us a look at uh, what we're dealing with here. Appreciate it. Thank you.
7: Mike, good to be with you.
0: Thank you. All right, take care. Kevin Good with Cattle Facts. All right, j- just earlier this week, we talked with Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. We were talking about some infrastructure issues, but since then, something has come up, and we want to get an update. Uh, as you've probably heard, a significant fracture was found on a bridge that carries Interstate 40 across the Mississippi between Memphis and West Memphis. And we're going to get an update on that and the impact that's having. That's next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
6: It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out.
4: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
5: In your everyday business operations, there are endless things you can't control. Fuel prices don't have to be one of them. With the Average Price Contracting Program available at FS, we can provide you with a way to reduce the uncertainty of fluctuating fuel prices. It's a smart and convenient way for you to know what your fuel costs are going to be so that you can enjoy a little peace of mind. The average price contracting program at FS is just one more way that we can help take your business further. Contact your FS energy specialist today. Visit gofurtherwithfs.com for more information.
1: Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know every weekday mike adams brings you guests important to the ag industry it's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture
4: for more than 135 years the editors of progressive farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions we know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts.
0: Recently on Adams on Agriculture. So the president's tax proposals have some in agriculture concerned. We're going to talk about that uh, today with Pat Wolf with the American Farm Bureau Federation.
4: Well, there's
6: certainly a great deal of concern about this in farm country. And we've had a record number of farmers and ranchers call their members of Congress saying how concerned they are about a new capital gains tax at death. Any tax imposed at death is problematic. It's because farmers and ranchers don't have cash in the bank to pay the tax they have to sell. Now, the American Families Plan that was put out last week has three increases in capital gains taxes in it. Yes, we can't say for sure that this is a good deal for farmers and ranchers, and we're very worried that the rules that would come along with the targeted program might not work for a lot of people.
0: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top
1: shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: All right, we bring Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, back. uh, Another infrastructure issue, the I-40 bridge across the Mississippi at Memphis. Uh, A big crack was found, and that's uh, causing, obviously, a, a backup. Mike, thanks for joining us. What can you tell us? What's the latest on this?
3: Well, we we got some good news about 20 minutes ago. Uh, the The Coast Guard that and they're the ones that have jurisdiction over maritime travel you know, on our inland waterway system. They they issued a statement that, you know, based on the the favorable report from the Tennessee Department of Agriculture and the Arkansas Department of uh, de- Tennessee and Arkansas Department of Transportation, that they're able to resume barge transportation under the bridge. And so that will resume immediately. Um, So that's obviously good news. Uh, They still do not know when vehicular traffic will be able to resume over that bridge. But, you know, very good to see that barge transportation will be allowed to resume. They have 62 vessels with uh, 1,058 barges that are in the queue, both north and southbound, most of it southbound. So that's going to take quite the the crossing guard to be able to kind of orchestrate that uh, through that area to kind of, you know, r- relieve that log jam that has occurred over the past couple days.
0: Yeah, so that's going to take a while, but geez, that's good news. I'm glad that uh, we were able to pass that along, that uh, they're getting that open back up to barge traffic. Uh, But anytime something like this is discovered, it kind of makes everyone, I think, more aware of how critical these structures are and maybe a little apprehensive. You know, are there issues that we just don't know about on some of the other structures that are out there?
3: Yeah, I think this is a real reminder how you know, you, you think about a bridge going over a river and, you know, a lot of people think, well, what does that have to do with barge transportation? Well, it can have a lot to do with barge transportation as we're seeing in, in very vividly, you know, right now. And so how linked the, each of these modes are in the supply chain. Um, you know, we, we really had the prospect of seeing, because barge transportation was suspended, a real shift of freight onto the rail system, which would put upward pressure on rail rates. Now, hopefully that will not now happen, but that was certainly a a, a danger. So you see how all of these things are linked. And and another conclusion that I had, and I think at least a reminder, is that if you're having these kind of problems on our interstate bridges, which is the, the flagship part of our surface transportation system is the interstate system, you can only imagine how many problematic bridges we have in rural America, where resources are more restricted and more scarce. So it it really should be a reminder that we need to step up to the plate as a nation, do something on infrastructure, make sure it's, I think, focused on transportation infrastructure, and actually get something done. Uh, This is a real reminder of that need.
0: Yeah, very, very uh, timely with the debate going on in Washington over infrastructure. Um this also shows us again the domino effect when something like this happens. You've kind of described it as squeezing a balloon.
3: Yeah, you know, all of a sudden you had barge transportation suspended, so that kind of you're squeezing the balloon because you're not having you're not having throughput in that mode of transportation, but all that does is expand pressure in other parts of your your network and whether that would be uh truck traffic or rail traffic yeah uh, you know, the fact is that primarily corn uh, although there certainly was some soybeans that were affected by this as well our soybeans our main export window is September to February and March so most of what was being impacted was corn um, but that that corn and soybeans they still need to be moved there's still demand for it and very strong demand for it and so all of a sudden um, we don't have just the luxury of just parking off to the side of the, the shoreline and just say, well, we'll just wait for it to, to reopen. Uh, there's a real pressure to get that corn and the soybeans moved. And so all of a sudden you see that pressure expand onto the other modes of transportation. And so uh, that's something that this situation really helped underscore and remind us of.
0: So again, they're, they're able to start barge traffic up again there uh, at, at Memphis, And as you said, it's just a matter of how long it'll take them to work through the backlog, right?
3: Yeah, it it will, and and so it's gonna it's gonna take a while. And but again, it's obviously good news to have it start restarted and resumed uh, this early. But I I think it's also a reminder about you know that the the way the inland waterway system works. There's a lot of benefits to it. It's a very efficient way of moving freight. But if you have a closure on the river, it's not like with driving where you say, you know, well, if you take a right here and you if you go take a, de- a five-mile detour, then you can f- eventually get your way to your destination. It's your only option once you're on the river. And so if you have a closure, you you don't really have alternatives. So what that means is let's do all we can to make sure that the infrastructure that serves the inland waterway system, and again, we're seeing that includes the bridges that go over the river are well-maintained, that they're resilient, so that you don't have these kind of occasions in the future.
0: Again, it's like many things. We take it for granted when it's working, but as soon as there's a problem, we realize uh, how important it is and also, in, in in many ways, how fragile it can be. I mean, one problem can cause lead to many other issues in, in other places. It's that interrelated. All right, well... As we've often said, Mike, uh, we'll hope they can get something worked out in uh, Washington, D.C. on infrastructure. It's long overdue. We'll see what happens there. Thank you so much. Appreciate the update, and thanks for the, the good news. At Very timely.
3: Hey, thank you, Mike. Good to be with you.
0: Take care. Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. So, again, as he pointed out, they're going to get the barge traffic, not, not the— the uh, road traffic yet the cars and trucks will be maybe a while yet while they work on that bridge but the barge traffic there at memphis will be able to resume all right that's going to wrap it up another busy week thank you so much for joining us we appreciate it and uh, have a safe weekend everyone hope you'll join us again on monday right here on AOA.